Boston Sports Syndicate. What's going on, everybody? It's Maddie D, and as you already know, I am a member of the Boston Sports Syndicate. Uh, you are tuning in to the newest episode of Above the Parquet. That is the Boston Syndicate's podcast geared towards everything NBA and Celtics-oriented. And I am not alone. Once again, I'm propped up by some heavy hitters at the Syndicate. Let me introduce my first co-host. He is the great Blogino. He writes about everything. And you know what? I'm not even going to mention XFL because I feel like we mentioned your XFL stuff too much. Is that it's fair? It's too much. It's over. It's, XFL is done. It's done, though. All right, so thanks. that voice you hear, that is Chris Henrique. What's going on, Chris? Hey, guys. How are you? <sighs> you know, I mean, this, we, we, we ask each other this every podcast we do, It's and it just hasn't changed yet. We're uh, quarantining and bring content. But anyway, I'm gonna, I'll save my ramblings for our topics. My other co-host is here. He is the head Patriots writer. He writes all Celtic stuff. He is a... Regular on the Fire the Muskets podcast, and uh, just an all-around great guy. Derek McVeigh, what's going on, dude? Not much. How you doing, Matt? I can't complain. But that's not it. That's not all. We didn't. We're not stopping it with just two. We also got a special guest, the editor in chief, the big papa with the big mappa at the Boston Sports Syndicate, Bill Travers. What's going on, Bill? Hey guys, how you doing? <laughs> I, I don't know how special I am, but I'm happy to join you. Well, we always like having you here. What's okay. a big mappa? I don't know. What is that from, actually? I thought maybe he was referring to my hair. You do have nice hair. You do have good hair. Thank you very much. Is What, what movie is that from? Side note. See, we're always off the rails. Here we go. Here we go. That, off the that rails. took all of about one minute. What, not even, we couldn't even get through intros. Derek, what movie is that? Big Papa with the big mappa? Uh, Isn't that a sports movie? Is that a thing? I don't know. Did I? It is now. All right, get t- James, get the T-shirts ready. I'm sure if we Googled it, it would uh, we'd probably find out what it's from pretty quickly. Very true. Very I true. found All it. Right. It's uh, it's from Even Stevens. Oh my God. I loved Even Stevens, so that must have been the the deep claws that I pulled it from in my brain. <laughs> Thank Even God Stevens, because I had no idea what you were talking about. <laughs> okay. Well. On. Enough of uh, even more of my ramblings. Let's get into our first topic. This isn't necessarily basketball-centric, but I think the sentiment uh, that was put out there, you know, it will compare to the players in the NBA, and we can use that as kind of a launching pad for topic, but I just thought it was something we shouldn't gloss over. Okay, so the Major League Baseball and their team has conjured up uh, a reopening plan that they will be presenting to the – the Players Association, or they already have, actually, probably by the time you listen to this. Um, and the rumor uh, that was part of it would be the economics end of it would be a 50-50 revenue split. Uh, you know, so a, pl- a certain player, I would say he's a star player. Would you guys agree he's a star player? Yeah, oh, I, would, I would say that he's – I would say he's probably the face of that franchise. Right. So we're talking about Blake Snell. Now, he took to his Twitter streaming – page what would you call that platform video what do you I, call it like a show he was he was on twitch right so th- what do you call that though is that his, he was streaming he was, that's what yeah he it was it? it was his twitch yeah it was his twitch channel um he's like numerous times a day he's on there either playing the show or a couple other games but uh yeah it was he was on his twitch channel 
All right, so he was on there, and he he basically ranted about uh, how he would not play for reduced salary. And uh, a lot more came from that, that statement that he made and that rant that he went on. But I'll just pass it to you guys. Uh, Derek, did you see what he said? I did, I did. Um, it's There's, like, so many different ways you could come at what he said. Um, I think his overall, like, the overall message behind it um, – not necessarily against like I understand his uh, complaint with you know they had originally agreed upon uh, or reportedly agreed upon some type of you know prorated um, you know form of payment with it being a reduced season and now they're kind of going the MLB is kind of going back on that and uh, reducing and you know reducing the amount of money these players will get and doing an even 50-50 split um, you know if you take the the money out of it, if he had just come out and said, uh, you know, I'm not comfortable putting myself out there, you know, like jeopardizing my health and risk, you know, coming back to my home and spreading it to my family. And if he kept it about his uh, like personal well-being and health, I think it would have been, you know, OK. But as soon as he got into the money portion and the line that uh, did it for me when it's when he said, I got to get mine. Just that's where he sounded like an a-hole. Yeah, I mean, you couldn't have come. He couldn't have come off any more out of touch. I think with uh, how he said it, it was really the words he used. And you know, like you said, Derek, I don't necessarily disagree. I mean, I think any one of us here would be upset with taking uh, less money. Uh, but none of us here, and let, correct me if I'm wrong, guys, none of us here has a you know a fifty million dollar contract. Uh, with their name with their, with their signature on it so does i know we had talked about billy bill making the millions with the syndicate has that changed is that going on bill yeah i'm not quite up to 50 million yet though my contract we'll get, we'll is, get you there. It's, it's just a tick under that right okay so you'll be so having the the you know the big salary at the syndicate that you do bill how did you feel about blake snell's comments well i gotta agree with Derek. he was just totally out of touch with so many people right now out of work don't know where they're going to get their next meal from. And here's a guy making millions and millions of dollars complaining that he's only going to get half of that salary. I mean, could you be more clueless, really, to what's going on in the country right now? And and the thing that struck me is he said he wasn't going to risk his life for half the pay. So you'd risk your life for the whole pay? It's like Derek said. Had he stopped at just concerns for his health, that would be one thing. But as soon as he brought the money into it, no, he lost me. Yeah, I agree. It's, clueless is the perfect way to put it. I mean, with everything going on and all these people, you know, throughout the entire world having to make tremendous compromises and huge sacrifices, and there he is using terms like, I ain't going to make crap. And he didn't use the word crap. And it just wasn't worth it. I just, you know, I don't. I just think the guy came off uh, a bit a bit out of touch and, you know, I don't. I don't, I don't know. It doesn't sit right with me. What about you, Chris? I mean, you've gone through coronavirus. You've spoken very candidly about, you know, your other job and how that's gone and the furlough you were on and or the summer vacation, as I call it. You know, hearing a guy who, even if he makes the 25% of his salary that he claims he would only make, that's still 1.75 million. Yeah, and uh, <clears throat> you know, I'm actually still on that furlough. You know, there was a conversation that I could go back to work last week and. You know, I think ultimately uh, my company is waiting to kind of find out how we're going to face things in Massachusetts before we can go back. But um, 
so when when I first saw the video, I uh, I was on Twitter and I saw the first tweet, and I didn't really pay much mind to it because Blake Snell is on Twitter constantly. He's playing some sort of game, so really, I just kind of thought that what it was. Scrolled up a little more, and then I seen there was another tweet. There's another tweet. So then I listened to the whole thing. What he said, I don't agree with. I, I don't. There, there's two parts of it. I don't agree with the piece where he says, you know, he's risking his life. No, the people who are risking their life are the ones that are that are in the emergency room. They're the first responders. Hell, you can even go ahead and say the people that are at the grocery store and that are at Walmart that are taking our money so that we can that we can buy things and eat and make meals and everything else. Those are the ones that are risking their lives. Um, but what I didn't want to do is I didn't want to lash out because to me, I feel like if we kind of peel back the onion a little bit, I think that there's, that I think there's more to his comments than what we're getting. Does he, does he sound completely disconnected by saying, I want mine a hundred percent. I think that any player wants everything they, that they signed for Hell. I, you know, I'm going to earn less money this year collecting unemployment, but you know what? It is what it is. So in, in the respect with him, I think that if we kind of take a step back and kind of look at there's got to be something else that's driving those comments, that's driving him to feel that passionately to come across and sound that way, because that, that's really the only way that I can kind of look at. It. I'm trying to look at it from a different perspective and just a different angle, almost like a devil's advocate. You know, is there something else? that the media isn't reporting yet in regards to what the, what the MLB is talking to with the players. I just, I, I can't think that there's a player that disconnected, especially now with everything that's going on with this Corona piece and, and everything else. I, I'd like to think that there's something else that was driving his comments. I see what you're saying there. And, you know, a, a, the report said that the MLB and, and, and the executives and owners and whatnot, they their initial presentation actually didn't include like the economics. It was just really kind of like the protocols that they take and the health precautions that they would go. Uh, so you talk about alternative methods, Crystal. Let me ask you this: Does or I'll open up to all three of you guys. Uh, do you think any of this was kind of theater, acting tough, acting like a, you know, like a badass no, when he's I, on his Twitch channel trying to get any type of views? I, nope, I don't. What did you now? Did you guys watch the video? Did you guys see the video or just like hear the comments on like the radio and, and things like that? Uh, both. I watching the video, I kind of felt as if he was just I think he let his guard down. I think he looked like and felt like he was incredibly comfortable within his environment. He's at home. I mean, how many live streams has this guy done playing video games since this whole thing started? He's probably done 30, 40, maybe 50 plus. He, he seemed very relaxed. He just he kind of seemed like he was in his element. And to me, it almost felt like he was talking with people that he would I would say, like, that's the type of conversation. If you're going to have that, you're going to have that with buddies. You know what I mean, you're going to you're going to have that type of convo with your friends. It to me, it felt like he was just he felt comfortable in his environment. Again, I don't agree with what he said, but I, I'd i like to think that there is other motives behind what he said. Because, unfortunately, he's the one that said it. Jeff Passan of ESPN said there's other players in the league that feel the same exact way that he does. And I'd have to believe that there's players in the NHL, in the NBA, 
And I mean, we're not even at the football side of it just yet, but I'd have to think there's a lot of athletes who feel this way. And then even to piggyback on that, like when did all of a sudden, like there's all the support behind the owners. I don't know if you guys gotten that as well. Like, I just feel with the comments that he made, he, I think set back not only the player side of it, but I think the owners can use that as, as leverage for themselves. Well, it's certainly bad PR for the players. What he did for 100%. all of them, it's, it's going to cast a, a light on all the players as being greedy. And and I don't I don't know so much if there's some other hidden agenda other than just the money. That's all he's focused on. But I agree with you 100% that he let his guard down because he did not sound like the athletes usually sound when they're being interviewed. Nope. He sounded like he was just sitting around talking with his homies and, and you know, using slime life. I get the Rona, you know, things like that. So it, it definitely wasn't polished at all. And I'm sure the, the Rays PR people must be pulling their hair out over this whole situation. Not even just the Rays. You would have to think, too, the, the players um, association, like that side of it, you know, just think about Mark Desher a couple of days ago with his comments that he made about, you know, playing it for pennies on the dollar. And then he went the following morning and he was immediately backtracking on what he said. Cause you know, that the players union got to him, he's not even playing anymore. You know, one of the things that I was thinking about earlier today, you know, knowing we were going to talk about this was, you know, think about the guys who are playing right now that aren't going to have the career that he's going to have. Think about the guys that are going to probably wash out in like three years. I'm thinking about the player like that's going to make like 500 K this season. If there's no, if there's no sports, if there's no baseball or hell, they, they take a fraction of that. Like, you know, how does it impact that player? You know, Mookie Betts talked about how he wants to set up players after him when he signs his next contract. Well, the way that these players are going to set it up to those other players is to just do what's right, meet in the middle with ownership. And if ownership still feels like, hey, meeting in the middle is not enough because, look, guys, we're not getting any revenue from TV. We're getting no revenue from uh, from the gate. We're getting no revenue from merchandise. Like, this is what we have to do. Because what's going to end up happening is on uh, 985, they said that if they don't play, it's like a $5 million share per team. That they have to that they have to spread out between the forty man roster with it kind of trickling down from the person who makes the most all the way down. So there's there's a lot that stems off of his comments. I just wish that there was a way that someone else can kind of just like interview him and say like, all right, Blake, you know, new platform. What did you really mean by that? And then if he truly means what he says, then go ahead and challenge him. Then go ahead and kind of put the you know the gears to him and say, okay, why'd you say that? Why do you think that way? Why do you feel that way? Cause I just, I really think there's more to it. I don't, he's never had a history of, of being this kind of player that's kind of spotted off and, and has been controversial. I just, I really think there's more to it. Yeah. And I, I would expect that uh, there would be an inter- interview coming with Blake Snell uh, real soon. And if he wants to hop on the uh, Red Sox podcast to be named later or the Boston sports syndicate flagship uh, podcast, we would love to have you Blake. Uh, now you mentioned the the players union and you know if you know baseball you know that the players union is one of the strongest unions in the world not just in sports in the world they well, get everything for their players and Tony Clark immediately came out before Blake Snell it was 2 days ago and basically dug his foot in and was already setting up uh, what was going to be a tough negotiation so the, the the union doesn't play around now Derek let me ask you this Blake Snell is 
kind of become the poster boy of the players uh, players association and the union in general. Do you think that's fair? And do you think he'll take on that role? Uh, I think he kind of has to, right? I mean, otherwise, you know, he'd be kind of backtracking. I don't think he wants to seem like, uh, you know, he's saying one thing and then kind of walking off of that and, you know, kind of backing down. I think he probably regrets maybe the, like the raw emotion behind it and some of the, the things that he said, but I think his ultimate uh, like message and his intent were um, like genuine. Uh, and I necessarily don't have a, a problem with him complaining about the, the finance, like money portion of it. Like now you can get into the, the millions he's making and what's it matter if it's one or seven, but you know, if the, the MLBPA and the the league had a agreement back in March that the players were going to get a, a prorated portion of their salaries, and now all of a sudden they're, you know, t- like backing away from that and saying they're going to get less money. I mean, I'd be I'd be pissed off too, but it's just the the way that he said it. I mean, there were a ton of different ways he could have come at this by like expressing his concern um, without seeming you know, like he was greedy. But to to your question, yeah, I think he has to to own his statement now and, you know, be the, the poster boy, as you, as you put it. Now, do you guys think, uh, you know, his persona will take a hit? Do you think baseball fans will like Blake Snell more, less, or they'll be indifferent? This will just be, you know, a, a 24 hour news cycle that goes away. What do you guys think? Well, it certainly took a hit with me. I, mean, I didn't, I didn't really know the guy before. I liked him as a player, but now that I've seen that side of his personality, you know, I don't really think much of the guy. I'd still love to have him on the Red Sox next year pitching for us. But, you know, on a personal level, no, I'm not too crazy about him. Wasn't crazy about David Price either. I still wanted him to win. Right. You're able to separate, you know, your fandom and how you feel about, you know, comments they may make here or there in interviews or on a Twitch stream. Uh, yeah, I, I kind of agree with you on that, Bill. I I like Blake Snell. You know, I am – I've said it before, I'm a big uh, fan of MLB The Show and the whole community, so I have been following along, you know, as he developed this channel and watched him win the players, uh, what do you call it, tournament or whatever, and hearing him just talk like this, it just seemed like a guy who was just out of touch and, you know, maybe had the right thoughts in his head, but when it came out, it just came out cold, disconnected, and it just made him seem like, kind of what people are starting to not like about baseball in general, which is kind of like that snooty, you know, nose up in the air to everyone else type of mentality. Yeah, I I agree with you. you And I know this is a basketball podcast, so we keep talking about baseball. Um, But I I think baseball's in in serious trouble if, if this stretches out much more and they lose the season. I agree. Now, you mentioned basketball. So let me go ahead and tie this up in a nice, clean NBA bow. The NBA had multiple players test positive for coronavirus. Do you think they look at a guy like Blake Snell and lose respect for him and maybe lose respect for the entire association? Because, you know, baseball only had, what was it, like a popcorn vendor test positive? And the NBA had players test positive with coronavirus. It all started with them. So do you guys think that they look at Blake Snell's comments and just, you know, completely disres- like not respect what he has to say about it? No, I don't. I don't because I think at the end of the day, there's a good portion of athletes across each one of those leagues that feel the same way. You know, if you, 
Derek was talking about like the money aspect of it. And it's another thing that I was thinking about, you know, we can't go and compare an athlete to the money that we make. It just, it can't be done, but people are doing that in regards to comments uh, to him on Twitter and on other platforms. And now, well, Chris, sorry to interrupt you, but why do you think, like, why don't you think people can compare? It feels like, like when you're making millions of dollars in, yep. or you live in paycheck, paycheck. So do you think like he's living paycheck to paycheck just on a grander scale? Like, if, no, nope. Then no, I, I, I look at it. I look at it from the stance of here's the, there's these players that are talented and gifted enough where they can play a sport beyond being a child, beyond being a kid, and that they're talented enough to take that. Do I think that the money these guys make is appropriate? Absolutely not. You know, the days of these $400 million contracts, those are those are over. We will be – I will be shocked if we see any player honestly sign for more than even $200 million in the climate that we're, we know that, that we're in right now. But they're getting paid – millions of dollars because these leagues are bringing in millions of dollars and at the end of the day they as a league and as a union they've collectively bargained to earn that money so i in in my opinion i you know i don't think that it's wrong to want to 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 coop any dollars that you're supposed to be guaranteed but i think there's a way to go about communicating that so it doesn't come across like you're being greedy. So it doesn't come across as if you're not taking account into the times that we're currently in. And I know we joked about saying like, you know, these unprecedented times, but not joking about it now. You know, Blake should have taken a different tone with that. But I, I just I don't I don't see how the regular Joe fan can equate them making, let's say, twelve dollars an hour working at speedway to blake snell who's a million dollar pitcher who could potentially make one and a half million dollars i just i don't i just don't see how you can connect the two you know and maybe that's just me trying to you know i maybe being like stubborn about it and i usually try to be very good about looking at both sides of the perspective and and i try to look at things from different lenses especially and not be quick to judge i i just i don't see how you can you can connect his money to everyday life but no, you that's can, a fair I point. guess. I guess no, you you're can right. when you make a comment like that and it goes viral and you know, and then people all of a sudden start hating you. I honestly, you know what I just I kinda wish out of the whole thing is that people just took like a step back before like lunging out. You know, if you go and read so just to kind of get a, a balance of you know what you know he's kinda looking at, I went through some of his tweets not even just have nothing to do with that. And there are people from four or five days ago commenting on normal whatever he commented on. And, and there's people that are just like ripping him and ripping him and ripping him. Like, like take a step back for a second and just try to understand where the comment's coming from. And then if he says it again or he's not genuine or doesn't apologize for it or, or anything like that, then go ahead and hit the guy. But like I just think that too many people in this – like it, we're just so quick to find the negative in some of the stuff these guys say. Like I, – I truly wish like we had the ability to have this conversation and just say like, Hey, what were you thinking? And then go from there because I I'm willing to bet that it will come out completely different. 
I, I mean, I really wish that we could do it, but I mean, the person who's probably going to end up doing it is probably going to end up being, you know, the starting nine podcast. They're the ones that are probably going to do it because it's got that platform. And, and hopefully he's able to kind of express himself and, and maybe communicate it the way that he should have versus the way that it came out. Uh, are you familiar with social media, Chris? Oh, I, I am. <laughs> That's how it works. <laughs> and let me tell you what. I mean, you get okay. trolled with your account that you have with us. <laughs> Trust me, I, I let me tell you what, between like Facebook and between Twitter and things like that, at this point, like, you know, I comment here or there and I, I don't really comment much on Facebook anymore because the people on Facebook, it's just a completely different type of type of people from a social media standpoint. I just look at any any type of engagement is a good thing because it just means that either they're reading what you what you wrote or it's they're commenting on it and it, it's making people think. And I think that's what, you know, when Mike wanted to do this whole thing what he set out to do was specifically not to report wins and losses was was to make people try to think a little bit differently and i think that we do that and you know in the in the grand scheme of things doing this and just blogging and and doing things here or there it's just it's amazing just how quickly and how just like vile and disgusting people can actually be like just take a second before tweeting something and just think about what you said and I could do the same thing. I, 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 100%. But uh, it just, it's boggles my mind. We went off the rails there a little bit. Well, that's but, that's what we do. That's what we do. But but we. I think I think it's good. You know, I hate the you know the the super negativity and the toxicity that comes from social media. You know, just like everybody else. But I do think Blake Snell deserved it. Not the vileness, not the toxicness, not the you know over the top stuff, but he does deserve the criticism because, like you guys all said, he was talking candidly. So if this is how he's talking to his buddies, this is how he really feels. And I so, just feel like when you talk so flippantly about you know basically 1.75 million ain't shit. Sorry, we might have to bleep that. I'm sorry, but that was a quote. And <laughs> you know you say that, and people are out here, you know. Losing jobs, they're out there. So that's where I compare the salaries. I don't compare, you know, apples to apples because, quite frankly, I couldn't really look for pay cuts. I would, I know most Americans don't really want to take pay cuts at all. But when you're talking about playing a game and you're talking about playing half a season and you're talking about still walking away with multiple millions of dollars to just say, I, I'm not doing it unless I get mine, it just comes off so gross and you know i hope he bounces back and i like blake snell as you know what i've seen in in real life and on the field so i hope he can kind of just talk you know like you said chris straighten out his story or you know just kind of get into it a little bit more but you know as of right now man blake snell i just ugh, you know i w- one last thing I, I have you guys ever seen the movie the replacements no yeah when the the football movie? i haven't seen it a long time but i, I know yeah familiar with it so the base yeah, Shane Falco, Keanu Reeves love the movie, but there's a scene because uh, basically the premise of the movie, blah blah blah. Let me get into it. Is there's a season, uh, a strike, and they bring in scabs, and they're interviewing one of the normal players that is in the league, you know, that is on strike, and they ask him a similar question, you know, about you know fighting for more money and this and that, and he's basically said he goes, "Do you have any idea what insurance is on a Ferrari?" And they use that as like a ooh, and that's just how I felt listening to Blake Snell. Like, oh man, like uh, I understand it sucks, but we all could desperately use you guys on the field, and you have a billion dollar corporation behind you. They're gonna do their best to keep you safe. If you guys just play by the rules, do your thing, you could bring up America's spirits and America's sports fans, uh, just so much. And it's just 
you know, what happened to the fans? Did they just forget about the fans? Like, we love these guys. We look up these guys. And when you just come off about just money, it's like, when did these guys stop loving the game and stop being proud about being professional players? When did it become just a business? And he only plays baseball because he had a good curveball. Does he not love and take pride in, you know, being that guy that we all watch every fifth day? I don't know. Rant over. But, yeah, that's just how I feel about Blake Snow. So let me ask you guys this question. Do you think that this is just the tip of the iceberg for all players across all sports when it comes to coming back now to, to potentially risking their health and, and being away from their families and things like that? Do you think we're going to start to see these same comments come from NBA players and NHL players? That's, it's funny you should say that, Bill, because I was getting ready to bring this up. Uh, you know, we talk about, uh, you know, Matt, you had asked if you think like players in other leagues – uh, like look at Snell differently or lose respect for him because of what he said. I think they all share the, probably like similar sentiment in terms of um, the money. But again, it's 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 how you like express what you want to say. So perfect perfect example and like polar opposite of what Blake Snell did was uh, Jalen Brown. So Jalen Brown, you know, vice president of the NBA PA, was on CNN. Uh, I think it was yesterday. It might have been a couple days ago. But anyway. The, uh, Chris Paul, who's the president of the NBA PA and a bunch of other players, you know, had a call talking about coming back and playing. Um, and Jalen Brown said that they're, you know, some of the most influ- influential players in the league all feel the same way. You know, they want to come back. We want to play. It's it's very important that we continue the season. Um, he also mentioned that, you know, the the playoffs is what's important. It's like the playoffs is a big money maker for everybody. So we want to focus on that. And that's where his um, like opinion on the finances ended. That's all he mentions, all he said about money. And then he went on to say that we want to, we want to come back. We want to do this for the fans, uh, but we want to do it in a safe um, and healthy manner. He's like, we don't want to, you know, bring the league back and then give these, give the fans and the, the country like a false sense of hope and have them think that everything's okay again. And then all of a sudden, you know, people start to ease up on this, uh, you know, on their social distancing and all these other measures, and we get like a second wave of outbreak. So he was like the the polar opposite of Blake Snell. Um, I think had the same message behind like what Snell was saying, but he did it in a much more um, like respectable uh, and educated manner. Um, so I think there's ways for people to express their their feelings about the situation, um, but obviously some are are better at doing that than others. No question. Now, let's wrap up the Blake Snell talk. Do you, does anyone have any final thoughts? Yeah, I just, you know, ultimately at the end of the day, um, it, it sucks because, you know, baseball, this is like the last thing that baseball needed. You know what I mean? Uh, baseball and, and baseball players in general, you know, they haven't really had the greatest of like raps over the last couple of years, you know just it's a sport that just doesn't seem to ever want to change and when they try to change things it seems like the players are against that um from like the pitch clock to robo umpires and i'm not saying i want to have robo umpires but you know there's been just a lot of different things they want to try to do to improve the game um some things i think are good some things aren't um unfortunately his comments put a bad light on the sport hopefully Hopefully he gets his message out there and he's able to communicate differently. And, and if he truly genuinely believes what he what he said that was on that video, then that's a different conversation. And I think at that point, um, 
we all reserve the right to to change our opinion. For me personally, like I said, I'm, I'm trying to look at it from a different standpoint because I like to think that, you know, sometimes these guys say certain things and sometimes don't exactly mean it. And they, maybe they're not the most eloquent in trying to communicate it. And, you know, I, hopefully he gets, he gets past it because, you know, it'd be a shame because he's, he's a really talented pitcher. He, you know, he's a Cy Young award winner. Um, you know, just think of what it'd be like if he's in a bigger market. Honestly, I don't know what he'd be like in Boston at this point. I think, he'd, you know, we talked about earlier in our texting, it'd be like David Price 2.0. He'd get eaten alive up here. If he said that and he was a member of the Red Sox up here, it, it would be, it would be, he would be just destroyed. And it's, it's a shame because he's such a talented player, but. Yeah, and to just piggyback on that notion, you know, the PR part of it, you know, it, I, I went on a sin to take rant, you know, maybe a couple months ago comparing, you know, the, the downfalls of the MLB's uh, way to, that they advertise themselves opposed to the NBA's. And uh, just another point to that, like uh, just another signal to that, just another, you know, example of it is on the same day you get a headline from the NBA that all of its prominent stars came together in a united front to that to adamantly say that they want to play and finish off the season. And then you go tune into baseball and you have one of their star players, like you said, Chris, a Scion award winner saying he won't play unless he gets his. And that's just another example of why the NBA is growing in popularity and baseball is not, but enough with the negativity enough with the Blake Snell talk. You can't tune into a podcast called above the parquet and not hear about any basketball. So we're going to actually go on to our second topic. And now we love Bill's insight. Bill, obviously, we uh, were homies from the Red Sox podcast to be named later podcast. So I love talking baseball with him. But we actually brought him on the podcast because we're going to rank what we feel is our top five big threes. And, you know, when Bill heard that we were going to talk Bird, McHale, Parrish, possibly, he wanted in. So we brought him in. So. Just to tell all you listeners, there's no real criteria to this. We just ranked, we put out five and we said rank them. But, you know, if guys have ones other uh, other big threes they want to mention, go for it. And the criteria is whatever you want to weigh it on, whatever you want to do. Now, I'm thinking, boys, do you guys want to start with number one or with number five? Wait, are we each doing five? Well, no, we could talk about oh, okay. it throughout. I have a list of a whole bunch. Because I came very unprepared talk about. if that's the case. <laughs> no, no, no. We could, we could, you could chime in whenever you want, but we love talking to you. So, what do you guys would do? How did you guys do it then, Chris, Derek? How'd you guys do it? Did you rank just, the five that we put on the notes, or did you just want to talk about certain ones? How do you guys want to tackle this? Yeah, I, I just figured I we could yeah. talk about I it. Didn't, yeah, I didn't rank them. I just figured throw them out there and let's just let's just go. All right. So, in typical off the rails uh, fashion. We're off the rails. We don't know what we're doing here. But guess what? We're going to get back on the train. And this what I'm the host, so I'll make the rules. I have my top five in three honorable mention. So what I'll do is I'll go through my list, and you guys can speak on it. Is that cool? Sounds good. Sure. Let's do it. All right. So let me let me start with number five. I start with Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Kevin Durant. That's my number five. This threesome has two championships and four appearances. And they are the most modern version of the big three. They're my number five. Who wants to start it off? Let's go, Derek. All right. So let me ask well, Matt, why did you have them uh, at five behind these, find you know the other big threes that we had talked about? So I had put them five 
for a reason that isn't really their fault. Uh, the era that they play in, I just can't rank them above all the other teams that I'm going to have listed on my list because I just don't like that Kevin Durant was within two within a good two minute stretch of beating this team. He went over and joined them, and it just it, to me it epitomizes you know the skinny jean era of basketball, and especially after <laughs> watching the Last Dance, you know. I, I I give them respect. They're a great threesome, but they're number five for me. What do you guys think about Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Kevin Durant? Yeah, that that's fair. I mean, if you want to talk about era, because it's certainly a a different era, um, especially if you're you know you're thinking about like older big threes, and we'll talk about some of the like the 80s and and 90s. Certainly a different brand of basketball. Um, but I mean, Curry, Durant, Thompson, Curry and Durant could argue are two of the top five players in the NBA. Um, you could make the case that they would have won the championship last year if they stayed healthy. You know, if Durant wasn't uh, if Durant wasn't out and if Clay Thompson didn't leave the the finals early, um, they're just they're so so talented. I mean, Durant and when he's out there and fully healthy is probably the one, top two, top three in the NBA. You know, him, Kawhi, and LeBron, however you want to rank them. Um, so I mean, they're they're one of the more dynamic and most gifted athletic uh, athletic you know most talented big threes um just from a pure like skill standpoint um probably the best shooting big three that i can i can think of um you know it is the way they came together is kind of kind of dirty and it, it you know it was a bad look for durant and all of that but they're still i mean they're as a trio they're incredible Oh yeah, they. Go, I mean, they're top five of all time on my list, so it's not like I think they're bad. And like you said, they're very athletic. They're probably the the most positionless big three that we have on. Well, that I have on this list. Uh, but you know, I just that's just wasn't my flavor. They were number five. Now, Chris, if we talk just Warriors in general, does you know if if you insert Draymond Green into the big three and take one of them out, does it change it for you? Are you thinking I'm crazy to have him at the bottom of my top five? What do you think, Chris? I don't. Here's the thing, right? I don't. I don't get the Durant hate for what he did. I, first off, what Kevin Durant did to join the Golden State Warriors, like, why would you like? You're a free agent. Who wouldn't want to go to the best team and, and try to accomplish – when these players get drafted, right, when they're playing basketball, you have objectives. If you're good enough to play in the NBA, your first objective is to what? It's to get drafted. Your second objective is, is to make as much money as you can, and the third objective is, is to win an NBA championship. So guess what? He got drafted. He makes a ton of cash, and then he went out and won a championship. Now, granted, could he have done that in Oklahoma? Sure, but he didn't see the direction of the team going that way. He joins Golden State, whether people want to agree with it or not. But guess what? I like I don't I do not fault Kevin Durant for going to Golden State. I don't think of it as being selfish because I think that if people are going to go ahead and get on this guy for doing that and going to Golden State, I I think that you need to get on him more so than I I think him going to Golden State. To be honest with you, is is generally just not a big deal. And I know people are going to, you know, they're going to say like, no, we, you know, he took the easy way out. Anybody would have done that if they were a free agent. False. I wouldn't do that. That's, I think that's lame. <laughs> that is I, lame. Bill. I don't Bill, know about that. No, 
Bill, Bill, let me ask you this. So you, Mike and I played uh, for a cushion at Legion together, right? That's right. And post one, the New Bedford team was a powerhouse, right? They were. And I went to New Bedford High, so I definitely could have went over there and went to the best team. But I did. I wouldn't. I wouldn't leave my guys. Like I would not want to leave the team that built me, the team that, that the fans that love me and prop me up. I'd want to compete my tush off and try my best to win. That's not his ring. That's Steph's ring. That's Thompson's ring. And in my notes, if I had Draymond in that big three and not Durant, they would be number three on my list. That's how little I felt or how little I respected that move that Kevin Durant pulled. You know, he's a grown man to each their own. You could do whatever you want to do. And if that's how you want to chase rings, chase your rings. Come on, man. That is lame. For you to back that up is crazy, Chris. you got to have some competitive spirit. You would never do that. All right. So hang on a second. So what he did, right, is he wanted to do what? He wanted to win an NBA championship. So what did he do? He joined Golden State. So what he did, everybody's killing, right? It's a everybody's destroying the student. To this day, he still gets killed for that. He's a lamest athlete in all of sports. Danny Ainge went out and assembled the modern day big three to do what? To win a championship. He went out and got the best players to win a championship. That's not the same thing. That's not the same thing. He made trades to do that. That's not. He, exactly, I, I Bill. He, he made trades. And, oh, go I ahead, Bill. Sorry, go, go, go. Equate it to LeBron leaving Cleveland to go join up with Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh. Those guys all came together to to win a win a well, title. And and, I, and we'll talk about those guys. And I'll be honest with you, the way that they went about doing that, I mean, you know, hooking up together when they were in the what was it, they, the Olympics or whatever, talking about that. That thing was in the works for years. Yeah, what it comes down to right now is in the NBA is if you have three where two or three really good players, two of which that are free agents, you have uh, the, the organization has money and you're in a pretty decent part of the country. You can assemble this thing and then you can just go ahead and have it. I, I just to me, like Kevin Durant, like he went out to go ahead and do what everybody wants to do. They want to win a championship. So if you're saying to me you're getting on Kevin Durant about doing that, then we can go right to football really quick. The different. It's way more. It's way different. There's only five guys in basketball. There's What's only the five Patriots? guys on the floor. The you go if you want to be. No, if you want to be, uh, you know, a defensive end for the New England Patriots, you're a cog in the machine. You could be part of it. When you're, when you. Uh, was not a cog in the machine when he went to New England. He was a mercenary. He went to that team. He signed that two-year deal when everybody, including everybody, knew it was a one-year deal. Darrell Revis went to New England to do what? Not because he wanted to, he, like he wanted to play with uh, Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. Absolutely, he wanted to win a championship, and he did. And he went there, and, and that's what happened. Kevin Durant did the same thing. He went to Golden State to win a championship, and it's just a bad look. And it, it was it was magnified because of the events that preceded that. Yeah, that's the that's the big issue, and why everyone why it's such a bad look because you know he was on a team that was one game away from beating this team that he joined. You know, he, you know, the previous season, he's got a three, one series lead. This team knocks him out and then he goes and, and joins them. Uh, I, I think that's where the, the bad look is. Um, yeah, I don't blame him for wanting to win the championship, but it's just the fact that he joined a team that he couldn't beat. Um, you know, like Revis and like instances like that, a little different. I mean, Revis came from a team, a, a Tampa Bay team that was garbage you know, it's not like, uh, you know, the, the Patriots had been beating up on Tampa Bay, like in their division for years. Uh, and then he joined, you know, the Patriots. Uh, I think that the issue people had is that Durant was so close to the finals, 
with the Thunder. You know, they collapsed to Golden State, and then he took the easy route and, and joined them. All right, so let's if I could, go if ahead. If I could just weigh in for no, one ahead, second go. on them as, as a big three, is that was already, like you said, they had Draymond Green before that, and even after Durant joined, they were already a dominant team. It's not like he came in they were. and made them a great team. Like when Ainge brought, uh, brought in Garnett and Ray Allen to play with Paul Pierce. That made the Celtics yeah, I, a great team at that point. The Warriors were already a great team even before Durant got there. Right, the he Warriors, hitched his wagon to to strong, fast horses. He wasn't the driving force of that championship. Yes, he contributed. He's a great player. No one's denying how good he is. But he basically said, "Hey guys, can you help? Can you get this for me?" He didn't go out and get it. And I have to, I, hey Steph, Steph Clay, can you can you help me? And I have to, I have to point out one thing, Matt, about your allegiance to Wakushnet. I think the fact that your father was the manager of the team probably had a little bit to do with it, too. Oh, come on, Bill. Why'd you got to say that? Why'd you got to throw me on the bus uh, like the that? spirit of transparency. Fair enough, fair enough, fair enough. All right, so I think we got a good conversation uh, on the Warriors threesome. But we actually just brought this, these, this, this trio up a few seconds ago. Uh, Chris, you mentioned them. Number four on my list is LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh. Now, this threesome, again, two championships in four appearances. Uh, but the reasons why I have them four – uh, pretty much a lot of the same reasons why I had the Warriors threesome at five. Uh, do you guys have any thoughts on that Miami Heat big three that formed, you know, not one, not two, not three, not 18, not 465, but they only won two. So what do you guys think about that Miami Heat team? Yeah, you want to talk about a, a bad look. I mean, that whole decision nonsense that LeBron James had and then the the parade and you know show that they had at their press conference, like you said, to talk about all the championships they were going to win, and then they went out and won a couple. Uh, I think I just think that was that was awful, and one of probably the worst move that LeBron has you know made in his career, the worst PR move, and he probably realized it. Um, it just it was such a bad look, so like uh, ego driven, um, but there's no denying that they were. Um, you know, three awesome players in the primes of their career. And um, I think that's what made them such a, you know, I'd probably have them ranked a little bit higher. I know they only won a couple titles, but they had similar to Golden State. I mean, LeBron and Wade, two of the top five players uh, in the league. And um, even, you know, again, two of the top three players potentially, I mean, in their primes, they were incredible. And then Chris Bosh was a perfect perfect complement to the to Wade and LeBron whereas Thompson Durant and Curry you know where you as you mentioned Matt they were positionless and could kind of play all over the floor felt like LeBron Wade and Bosch um, kind of had their their positions set LeBron maybe you know floated a little bit but they complemented each other a little bit better than uh, the Warriors trio Chris do you think that they were the first big three in the NBA that like truly recruited each other to be on the same team? I think for what we kind of know right now, yeah. And I'm going to be honest with you. I, I put these guys higher than the Celtics big three. I I, I think that if, if you were to put both teams in their primes, those players in their primes, I think LeBron, Bosh, and Dwayne Wade beat the Celtics. If you played 10 series, I think they beat them eight out of 10 series. I just think that the talent that they have was far superior than what the Celtics had. And I think a lot of people get caught up in the Celtics nostalgia and they're the green teamers and they, they want to 
they want to, you know, be homers. I, I'm not saying you guys are. I'm just saying that in general. Um, oh, you may uh, say that in a second because no, they're uh, I, coming I, up soon. I, I, I think that, that whether we like it or not and how they went about doing that, like, they were just dominant together. They were absolutely just dominant together. They won two championships, which, by the way, our big three won one. They won one. Right, but they're they both 50, they're both 50% at going to the, the, the ship. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't the first year that they were all together, didn't they lose out to the they Celtics lost. in the Eastern Conference Championship? Mm-hmm. And they only won the next year when Ray Allen jumped ship and went to the Heat. No, they lost oh. again. They lost to the Mavericks, if I remember they lost correctly. The, they lost to the Mavericks um, four games to two. That was in 2011. Um. Yeah, that was Celtics. the Ray Allen went, went in 12. Oh, Ray okay. Allen went there in yeah. 12. Correct. Yeah, the, the Celtics had lost in the finals the year before in seven games to the to the Lakers. And then and then that's when everything kind of came together and then they went to a handful of title uh, championships together. No, I I'm sorry, I just I I I just I I hated the Heat. I hated that mm-hmm. that trio, but they were just so good. You know, they, they were like, very good. They, I just, I just think personally, like if if you were to have them play ten series against the Celtics, that big three versus that big three, I think LeBron takes it every single time. LeBron just takes over the game. I, I, I hate saying it. Like I, it, it pains me to even just like want to even just talk positively about LeBron James. But I don't like how they came together. They were just far superior. Just far superior than what the Celtics were that big three this big three you know I felt like they were uh, a little too overhyped there was the rumors they were all going to go to the Knicks there was the rumors they were going to go to the Clippers I think and then they all ended up going down to Miami uh and I thought that it was just overhyped for many years before they actually made the the move to go to Miami Derek did you feel like this big three was a little overhyped perfectly hyped underhyped oh I mean they definitely uh, just themselves. I mean, they overhyped themselves, saying they were going to win Good all point. these titles, and then, you know, they now look. They made they made it to four finals, um, winning two. But yeah, they they overhyped themselves. Um, Jalen Brown you know, overhyped himself too. How about remember when Jalen Brown came out and he said he was not going to win not one, not two, not three. Remember Jalen Brown with that female reporter a couple years back and TBD, TBD. He he could do it. Yeah. <laughs> he could do it. Carry on, Derek. Yeah, um, I was gonna bring up the the Celtics big three because uh, you were talking about you know if you if you match them them up versus the Celtics. I think the Celtics big three. So if when I was thinking about ranking the ones that you had sent ahead of time, I actually had the the Garnett, Pearson, Allen at the bottom of the list simply because they won one title. But I think I feel like their big three was completely different than the other big threes on the list in that they didn't come together in the primes of their career. They had all been, you know, well established, well established stars in the league, and they were like 100% driven by getting a championship. They all wanted to come together to win that that first title, and they did. First season, they came together, they won it all. I think the the worst part of that um, big three is that they were so like close to the ends of their career. And then Garnett got hurt the second year. He missed the entire postseason. And the next year, Kendrick Perkins gets hurt in the finals. Um, I wish they could have stayed uh, you know, 100% healthy, and I think they would have won more than one title. 
You know, Derek, I'm glad you brought them up because they're actually number three on my top five list. Oh, and it's actually Celtics big three is number three. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah, that's right. But they're also not the only big three on my list, but we'll get into that later on. But the reason uh, you you kind of spoke on one of the biggest reasons why I had them ranked above the the, the Miami Heat three threesome, because they weren't in their primes. They if they would have all come together or been traded for when they were in the, you know the same age that LeBron, Wade, and Bosch were, I think they would have made more runs at the finals. You wouldn't have seen the injury uh, the injury kind of. That 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 popped up as you did see, and I just they only made they made it to the two championships. They won one, and I also put them ahead of the Miami Heat three the three big three. I keep he keeps saying threesome. It makes me just like whatever off the rails. <laughs> uh, but it's because you know they lost to Kobe like some really good Laker teams, and that you know for whatever you want to say about it, that Mavericks team to me was just a little mediocre. And they lost to him, and that was kind of like, oh, we were waiting for this big wave to hit. In LeBron, you brought this little tiny little tide pool. It wasn't really the tsunami we had thought at first. Now, Chris, you are right. They were great. They were great. The three players are very, very good. They may be pound for pound a better talented uh, big three than the Celtics 07 team uh, that was put together. Uh, but I just have them three for the reason you said, Derek, is that they are uh, they weren't in their prime and they didn't really recruit one another. They were brought together as like one last run at it, one last go, and you know they were successful. Now, Bill, you're not a huge hoops fan, admittedly, but you are in the Boston area, so you must you definitely watched the 07 team. What are your thoughts on that? You know, Celtics Big Three, the second iteration of the Big Three for the Boston Celtics. Well, I, you know, I was a big fan at that time. Um, you know, certainly, I mean, they were just a fun team to watch, and it was just amazing how well and how fast they came together. Uh, they had that trip to Italy in the off season. That's where the Ubuntu uh, phrase, you know, came into popularity. And that team just came together so fast and played so well. And Garnett was just a force. I mean, d- didn't see a lot of him when he played with Minnesota. Wasn't really all that familiar with him. knew knew he was a great player, but just didn't know that the intensity that that guy played with. So it, it was hard not to like that team, just overall. And they really should have won that year that Perk got hurt. And um, missed the lot. Was it? He missed Game Seven against the Lakers, and they almost pulled that game mm-hmm. out. You know, they they were in that until right. late in the fourth quarter when it slipped away from them. So, in in my mind, they they really won two championships. I like that positivity. You know, I'm one for positivity. Yeah, you know, let me let me piggyback on that. So now, while while I did say that, I think that that Heat team would have <clears throat> beaten the, the Celtics team eight times out of ten times, or whatever, right? The roster, though, that Danny Ainge put together that season, like, it just, I'm going to read off some players. You know, for example, to get Ray Allen, they gave, they didn't really give anything up to get him. They gave up Wally Zerbiak in a trade. And it's not the, and Delonte West. And the fifth overall pick, Jeff Green. Jeff Green. Which, in the grand scheme of things, Jeff Green really wasn't the player that, I mean, he played for a while. I mean, it was unfortunate too. He had that heart condition that he missed some time with. But mm. I mean, at the end of the day, well, like they ended up getting I make that trade for a couple of years. They they did. I make that trade every time. I, I I think that that's an absolute steal for Ray Allen. They you know, and then when the rumors came out saying like they want to get Kevin Garnett, and that if they got him, people were concerned because whether he was going to stay with the team, 
and Danny Ainge was re- relying on the fact that like, hey, we're gonna he's gonna fall in love with the city of Boston, and and to his credit, he did. But you know, take a look at like the roster that they had: Ray Allen, Tony Allen. They had P.J. Brown, Sam Cassell, Big Baby, KG, Eddie House, Perk, obviously Paul Pierce, Scott Pollard, James Posey, Leon Poe, Rondo, Scalabrini. Like that was a solid, like that was a solid roster. Like if if you're thinking about like, hey, I want to build like a championship team, like top to bottom, that's gonna have a great depth on the bench. You know, you have your big three, but that you have like legitimate role players who can come in. They can play significant minutes and be, and they can contribute. That team did that. Danny Ainge did an outstanding job building that team. Like that was a phenomenal, phenomenal basketball team. And the players he brought in, it just was quality players. Didn't try to force it. Like I, I give, I, I don't, I'm not a big like Danny Ainge guy. I think that he's overrated. Personally, he built an outstanding team that year. Yeah, you're 100 yeah, right, Chris. That's what's so incredible about this big three is that they came together. You had three three superstars who were all, you know, like the alphas on their respective teams in Pierce, Allen, and Garnett. They came together and won a championship in the first season. Like the Heat yeah. didn't they came together and it took them some time. Like they didn't they didn't win a title in their first season. If you remember their first season, they you know, as they got towards like the end of December, early January, they were a five hundred team and they were struggling to figure out how to play together. And the Celtics had instant chemistry. Bill, you mentioned that trip to Europe, and that that was huge for them. You know, spending all that time together, uh, developing that chemistry, that friendship, that camaraderie, uh, and it translated to a title instantly. So that's that's what's so incredible about this big I think, three. I think Doc Rivers though helps with that too. Yeah, you absolutely. Know, you, you have Doc Rivers versus Eric Spolstra. I mean, Spolstra's turned out to be actually be a decent NBA coach. You know, I just think about how many how many coaches that LeBron has had that he just runs out. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like Spolster actually lasted, you know, he actually, you know, he, he lasted through the machine of, of LeBron James, but I think Doc Rivers too, like he kept that team together. You guys talk about the Italy trip. Like I, I know, I, I, I know I was kind of talking down on the Celtics team. Like I think that I don't, I didn't really put much stock into the whole lineup top to bottom. Like I, I rem- like, I missed that season. Like I remember, where I was when they won the championship. I remember I was intoxicated when they won that championship. Um, <laughs> I remember watching it from, of all places, Applebee's. Like, um, Applebee's has but, great uh, apps. You gotta, let me tell you what. Applebee's. I mean, you has, work right over there, right? You, I mean, you could venture over to Applebee's quite often when you go back I to could, work. I could. Yeah. Yeah. Apple, see, I only go to the Applebee's in Fall River. And oh, I go that's to Applebee's. Applebee's. Let me tell you what, that Applebee's, if you want to have like entertainment, sit at the bar, sit by yourself within like an hour or two of being there, you're going to have some sort of entertainment. So if you're looking for like quality entertainment and not have to pay much for it, Applebee's and Florida is the way to go. Bill, make sure you beep out Applebee's because they're not paying us. So we can't mention oh, that. Look, hey, truly you never got back to us. I went and hyped them up pretty good. True. That That's, Red very Sox true. Podcast. That's very true. I'm having, I'm having another truly as we speak. Hey, one thing about the, uh, <laughs> right, so- the this Celtics big three, this version, uh, do you recall who who dominated a lot of games, even in the playoffs? Was Rondo? They, they yeah, were playing yeah. big four. When, you know, when the lights were on, yeah. Rondo came to play. And he was a defense pass first point guard. who was perfect for that team. Yeah, he was a perfect point guard. I mean, that that big three era is going to be 
it's it haunts me to this day because it's it's what could have been if Garnett doesn't get hurt in that second year. I'm like 90, 95% sure they would have repeat because Scalabrini and uh, like other players have talked about it. They felt they were a better team in their second year than they were in their first. You know, they went, they, you know, without Garnett, they took the magic to to seven games. The magic ended up going to the, you know, the NBA finals. They took the magic to seven games in the Eastern Conference semifinals. I still think they should have beat Orlando and then they would have faced LeBron in the conference finals and, who knows what would have happened? Garnett may have been able to come back. Um, and But if he was healthy, there's no doubt in my mind they would have won that title. If Perks stayed healthy, they could have, they likely would have won, you know, game seven against the Lakers two years later. Uh, or if the, the Lakers didn't get like 25 free throws in the fourth quarter of that game seven, but that's another, another topic. This, this era is just so much unknown and it's a shame that, you know, that it was really hampered by injuries. You know, I mentioned this at the top of the segment that we make the rules. So according to this uh, conversation, they were three for three in championships. The big three, Pierce, <laughs> Allen, Garnett, won three championships. You can't change my mind. All right. So that is <laughs> that is big three 2.0. Number two on my list was big three, the OG. Larry Bird, Kevin McHale, and Robert Parrish. They together made five finals and won three. And they are the reason we brought Bill on. So, Bill, the floor is yours. Oh, now you hit me right in my uh, right in my wheelhouse. Now, th- this this <laughs> I mean, number one, Bird was probably the greatest passer I think I've ever seen. I mean, the guy could shoot the lights out, also. But you know, he he just made everybody around him so much better, and that was just such a dominant front court. Uh, you had Bird as the small forward. You had McHale as the power forward. He had so many moves inside. He could just turn players inside out. And there was an old joke that, uh, you know, they called him the black hole because once the ball went into him, it wasn't coming back out because he was going to shoot. So, and then Parrish was just, you know, most of these big threes, like, it's it's really a big two with a really good third person. And I, and I think that's, that's what you had in this case. I mean, Parrish was a good player, but I think he was just elevated by everybody else he had around him. And then once once they added Dennis Johnson to the mix, that's when this team really took off. And that 86 team was just incredible to watch. Yeah, I, when putting this list together, you know, I dove back into some of their stats. I honestly, I will admit, I didn't realize how much of a pure score Kevin McHale was. Averaging 27 points a game, he was a double-double monster. Like, I guess I kind of slept on how good Kevin McHale is all time. Yeah, and and he was a good defender on top of it too. I think he was he right. was uh, yeah, I think two blocks a game. Yeah, maybe. well, he had such long arms. He played like a much taller player. I mean, he was six eleven to begin with, but I think with his with his wingspan, he was more like seven two. Oh yeah, like and and I thought they all three of them just complemented each other so well. Parrish being the big man, and you know. Bird and McHale, they were very tall and very athletic, and Bird was a lights-out shooter. They were kind of ahead of their time in terms of the size and shooting ability and just overall scoring ability, you know, for the 80s and in, in that when you know when they played. Uh, obviously, we, you guys, how old, Chris, Derek, you guys aren't, you guys weren't alive watching this, were you? I wasn't, nope. were you? So no. you guys want to jump in and tell me, you know, obviously you must have seen documentaries and just being in Boston, being a Celtics fan, you know all about these guys. So why don't you go ahead and jump in and give me some of your thoughts on the Bird, McHale, Parrish, Big Three. Yeah, I think the – go ahead, Chris. No, 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 you're good, you're good. Uh, I mean, I think for them, you know, 
the three finals obviously speaks for themselves, but they, they made it to five, but that the entire, you know, eighties, they were, they were, they were the team, you know, and the years that they didn't make the finals, it was the conference finals. I mean, they were at the top of the league for an extended amount of time and they stayed together long. I mean, you know, you look at some of these other big threes, like the, the Warriors big three that we just talked about at the four seasons together or three seasons together, LeBron, Wade and Bosch, four seasons together. Um, you know, these guys, play like seven, eight, maybe nine seasons together. Um, and so that's, you really get to see their games flourish. And I've started to watch some of the, the classic games that they're broadcasting now because there's nothing else on TV. Um, and it, it's awesome to watch to see just, just how good these guys were. It was really a different game back then. It really was. The three wasn't as prominent. The three was more of a weapon. You know, mm-hmm. they were strategic about when they would shoot the three, not just jacking it up left and right like they do now. Right. Yeah, now it's become just a sprint to the other side of the court and jack a three. Chris, what's your thoughts on the OG big three of the Boston Celtics? Yeah, I, I think that that arguably was probably the best trio in Celtics history. Um, you know, you have Parrish, Bird, um, you know, three absolute legends to hit the hardwood for the Celtics. You know, uh, like Derek said, they they were they were unstoppable in the 80s. Now, I was alive but I was not old, you know, really old enough to even understand basketball. Um, but, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, they, they what, won championships in 81, 84, 86. Um, you know, they, I think that, you know, at the end of the day, like the, the common denominator out of that big three is Larry Bird because he was like, there was other renditions of big threes over the course of his time with the Celtics. And, you know, he just seems to be like the one that highlighted each one of those. Um, and to your point too, like Matt, I think that we underrate how good Kevin McHale was. And on top of that, Kevin McHale also got us uh, Kevin Garnett because he was the general manager of the uh, Timberwolves at the time they made that deal. Great point. Um, you know, so he, he did a solid uh, on the on the back end. Once a but, Celtic, um, always a Celtic, baby. Actually, Kevin <laughs> you know? McHale but, um, and Parrish both came to the Red uh, to the Red Sox. Um, came to the Celtics. Can't get them off your brain. <laughs> I know, and I can't get away from it. <laughs> I mean, talk about great trades. The Celtics had, I think it was the number one or the number two pick in the draft that year, and um, Red Auerbach traded it to I think it was Cleveland, and he got back Parrish and another draft pick which he turned into McHale so it was just an absolute wow. steal Real and, and that laid the found work yeah. for literally the next 10 years for that team which could have gotten any yeah, better could... even better do you guys recall Len Bias do you know the story of Len Bias yep yeah they, yeah that year did that, that happen 86 right after uh, they won the championship yeah, 86. in 86 yep. they had the number two pick in the draft yep. from another trade and they drafted him and by all accounts he would have been, he would have been the magic to Bird. Uh, as far as I'm saying this really badly, he, uh, he would have been Jordan's magic, if you know what I mean. He would have been that that player, that great player that could have had that rivalry with with Jordan. I see what you're saying. And, yeah, and, right, right. He would have taken the baton for the Celtics after the Bird well, era, the Celtics, and he would have battled. I mean, back in the '80s, it was Bird magic. That was the big rivalry. Right, and. Jordan really never had that person throughout his career because Magic was Magic and Bird were getting towards the end of their career. Isaiah Thomas really wasn't on that level, and then that was right. before Kobe really came into the league and got into his prominence. 
Bias could have been that player. Never happened. Wow. But Sad. the Celtics' dominance could have continued another 10 years had that not happened. All right, so again, we're making the rules. Big 3 2.0 won three championships. Big 3 OG, they won six. Chalk it up. <laughs> now what is it? They're, they're they chasing 20 now. They won them all. <laughs> we're going back to the to the Bill, uh, Bill Russell there winning That's it Tommy, all. But anyway. Knightson. The games they didn't win, they got dropped by the refs. Every time. <laughs> All it's right, your Tommy so, point. Oh, I think this podcast got a pretty good Tommy point today. We've been hustling for over an hour now. So here it is. Number one on the list, and not a shocker to any of the guys on this podcast or to anyone listening, it's Magic. Magic. I guess I surprised oh. myself. I, I've surprised <laughs> myself. It's Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, and Dennis Rodman. That's my favorite big three. That's they they get the criteria. They went to three championships. They won three championships. Uh, they were dominant, and I just love uh, the big three. Maybe I'm influenced a little bit by the last dance. I've been tuning in, and a uh, little teaser. We are gonna get back together the above the parquet boys and talk about the last dance after it's been completed. We were gonna talk about it today on today's show, but we thought with two more episodes left, we might as well push it back a little bit and cover all ten episodes when that comes out. So MJ, Pippin, Rodman, thoughts. Who wants to take it first? It's all Derek. Okay. <laughs> Derek yeah, didn't uh, get a lot of Derek didn't get a lot of time in the last podcast, so this is all Derek. <laughs> Derek, you're killing this podcast. All right, let's do it. I don't. Uh, I can't believe what idiots didn't let you talk. Me and Chris. <laughs> yeah, I have no. I mean, no, I think they're easy, easily number one on on that list. Um, and they were like a perfectly constructed big three in terms of like complementing one another. So you have Jordan, obviously the the greatest in his era and greatest of all time, in my opinion, but that's another, another conversation. Then you had Dennis Rodman, who was literally, literally just there to defend and get rebounds. I mean, he's, he had stat lines of, you know, zero points, 20 something rebounds on several occasions, which is just incredible to me. And then you had Scottie Pippen, who was just, he kind of just did it all. He was a great defender. He could score when needed, you know, stepped up when they needed him to. So a perfectly constructed big three, they rolled through the league this, in the three years they were together, won the finals, you know, won the title in each year. And, you know, they had the, the best record, uh, 72 and 10, until, you know, they were eclipsed by Golden State, but they won 72, 69, 62 games. Um, they were just an, an unstoppable force. Uh, and it's a shame that they broke up. Bill, being a Celtics fan, what were like? What was your experience watching, you know, a big three that rivaled the '80s Celtics team in Chicago? Well, you know, again, to me, this this was a big two. I mean, Rodman was a great player. The old the old defensively, the old joke about him was you could put him in a gym by himself and it would take him half an hour to score 20 points. You know, <laughs> he just had no offense whatsoever. Um, but th- that's a team that literally could have won eight in a row. Because the two years, you know, they had the two three-peats. Actually, before Rodman got there, you know, Jordan had the three-peat with Pippen and then took the two years off to play baseball, allegedly retired to play baseball, even though there were other stories behind that. And I don't know if the if, I mean, the last dance has gotten too much into that. That was one of the recent episodes, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm not sure if that's a Corona cough or what. Let's hope not. Co- corona beer, I hope. Yeah, let's hope not. Oh, excuse me. But, uh, I mean that that <clears throat> team was heavily carried by Jordan. He was just just such a great player, and uh, I remember the game when he dropped 63 on the Celtics 
in a playoff game in, in overtime. Just unstoppable. You could just That was on T V too recently. Yeah, you just you could not you Up could there. not stop him when he was on. Chris, did you uh, did you have a, a special place in your heart for this uh, this Chicago Bulls team? No, I hated the Bulls. I hated <laughs> the Bulls. Like, it just it's just like I think it was just one of those where you think about like in the '90s, like there was nothing positive coming out of Boston sports. You know what I mean? Like the the, the Red Sox were, eh, you know, the the Patriots were just. It wasn't until like '93 where they started to get an identity with Parcells. You know, the Bruins. Ooh, teaser. Teaser. A teaser, yeah, we'll go with at the end. Um, then you got like Parcells, where uh, Parcells, Jesus, the Bruins rather, where it wasn't until like was like wasn't towards like the end of the '90s where that that playoff streak they went like what twenty straight years they went to the playoffs or something like that, and then all of a sudden it was snapped to that bad year. Boston sports were really what it is today, and you know like most fans across the country, when you keep seeing a team constantly win, you hate them, and I hated the Bulls. I appreciate the Bulls now you know, as an adult, because, you know, just think about, they won six NBA titles in a span of eight years. That's, that's like, that's, that is beyond impressive. With a huge asterisk for the two years they didn't win. Right. You know, like that is like super, super impressive, you know, and you think about like, you had Jordan, he's the, literally the, the best player on the planet in his sport. You know, and, and you realize, like, you didn't, I actually never even realized, like, how competitive the actual dude really was until this last dance episode came out. Like, this whole. He has a competition problem. Now, he does. He also, you want to talk about coming across as a douche. Like, he also is coming across that way as well. <laughs> you know, there's, you know, we'll get into that when we talk about it um, in the future. But it just, I, it's impressive, like, how good. They actually they were and and you wonder like what would have been had he not walked away been suspended whatever it was like just imagine what would have happened like would they have won more you know like it's it's just gonna be one of those stories where you know it they made the nba what it is today i mean yeah, it's a different game but like if it wasn't for Jordan, his popularity and what he did in Chicago, the NBA is not what it is today. No, well said. That's perfectly said. Does uh, anyone else have any thoughts on the Chicago Bills before we wrap this thing up? You know, there's there's one well, other was... way that they made the NBA what it is today. I believe they were the first team to wear an alternate uniform. They used to have the black, all black uniform that they wore. Usually they wore mm-hmm. the, the red on the road, and then they came out with the black. I think that was the first team to do that. And now you just see that rampant all over all all leagues, really. So they, they right. changed the game that way too. And they were the first team to change their color sneakers. They used to wear the white sneakers during the regular season and the black sneakers in the playoffs. Now everybody wears all different color sneakers. So that's my little uh, uniform shout out to James. Way to go, James. We should do, we should <laughs> do a little a little carve out about like the uniform piece in the future because. I like to chat about the uniform piece because I, I think some of this uniform deal is kind of getting out of control in all sports, you know, and, and I, even, even if it's in the NBA in general, you know, like the, the Celtics city jerseys, like they got to go now for what I do for work. We sell a ton of them, but they're, I think they're that's heinous. exactly why they do it. It's heinous. It's, it's just, I, to me, like, you, when you're an iconic franchise like the Boston Celtics, you don't need 
three, four, five different renditions of your of your jersey. You know, keep it simple. Keep the white. Keep the green. I like the black personally. I like the black. With, I, that's I think that that's a fresh look. I think it's something where you, you want to incorporate that into the rotation. You don't need this other this other city look with the the green and the gold and the Gaelic and all that other nonsense. Like you don't need that. You, you just you don't need that. Well, at least they keep it to their same basic colors. You've got some teams that their alternate jerseys are like totally different from colors from their regular jerseys. It's like, where did these right. colors Team, come from? Teams, and like, when you when you turn it on, you that, don't even know who's playing for a while. Or when you see the highlights, you don't even know who's playing. I know I sound like an old man don't when win. I say that because I am. <laughs> teams that don't win change their jerseys because that's how people flock to that team. That's how they get their recognition. Hey, did you check out what you know that what this team was wearing? Like that's what's gonna happen in the NFL. The NFL, like all these teams are getting all these new jerseys and they're changing it up and all these different schematics. They're only just doing that because like I think about like the Rams. How many times have the Rams have changed their jerseys in the last forty years? Like they I mean they're changing their jerseys more than people are changing their underwear. Like this team is a different freaking jersey all the time. Like at some point, if you want to be like a uh, like a relevant franchise, just Stick with something and and make it iconic. Celtics have done that. The Bulls have done that. The Yankees have done that. I, I didn't, What's I, more iconic the than Yankees, the Yankee pinstripes? The Dodgers, the Lakers. I I would even go as far as the, the Patriots aren't that. The, the Patriots aren't that. I I I personally don't think that they have an iconic logo or jersey. But like those other teams, absolutely. The Red Sox, that's iconic. Blue hat, navy blue, the red B, the white trim. That's that's recognizable. And I get you got to you got to you got to incorporate these other things to make money, but like a lot of it's too much. Let's table this for a special episode. Yeah, we definitely have some, this, this podcast is going to stem off a couple of spin-offs, the last dance being one and the second being the uniforms. Now, does anyone have any last words on the big 3s? It's got two two final thoughts going back to the Bulls and how awesome they were. So the three years, the three titles that they won, you know, they have 12, 12 playoff series. They swept or won or lost one game in eight of those 12 series. So, I mean, their dominance was just in, they were running through teams in the postseason too. Uh, so I just, it speaks to how, you know, dominant they were. And then lastly, I talked about like Dennis Rodman, how he was just there to, to rebound. So while you guys were giving your opinions, I was looking up some of his like stat lines and just like, there's a stretch of games where it was six points, 20 rebounds, eight points, 21 rebounds, four points, 21 rebounds. And it's just like there's more where that came from. So, I mean, he was literally there, grab rebounds, block shots, defend, and put the ball in Jordan's hands. And he yeah, did he well. was tough. He, I mean, he, they, they took him from the bad boy Pistons. Yeah. And it really, you know, fortified that, that edge that they were well, looking for. He was for. part of another All right, well, with Isaiah and Lambert. Very true. You know, I yeah, did have some honorable mentions. We don't have to get into them. But, uh, yeah, I, he, that big three, I didn't know how if it was a big three. I didn't really know how to list it, so it was on my honorable mentions. But I'm not going to jump into that because you guys have already gotten your uh, hour and a half-ish worth of content. And guess what? If we're going to go to two, I got to get mines. <laughs> Does that mean we're done? I, unless any of you guys have anything I, else I to say, I think so. You. I think you missed a few big threes. <clears throat> All right, go ahead. Go ahead. Jump in there. Actually, yeah, you know what? 
We la- the last podcast, we actually ended up going longer, and it worked out in our favor. So we're going to do that again. So go tell All me. Right, I'm tell gonna, me. I'm going to throw, throw one at you guys. This is even – this is contemporary to you. This isn't just an old man talking. What about the Spurs of Duncan, Parker, and Ginobili? Mm-hmm. Yeah, See, on that, you. I thought it, that was more of like Duncan, the legend, and two good players. That's what That was my criteria for them. Even though they won three championships, sure, sure. But like I, I, I wanted. The, it wasn't just about the championships for my list. It was kind of like how I thought about it. You know what, what their kind of vibe was at the time. Like I had a whole thing that I put up on my own. Your head, own criteria. And I couldn't even begin to explain it. Yeah, my criteria is too crazy to just start saying. It wouldn't make any sense. The analytics people would hate me. <laughs> See, I always saw the Spurs as the NBA's version of the Patriots. They were just that. Go out, do your job, no nonsense coach, and you had your players that bought into the system. You know, Bill, I said we're gonna make the rules as we go. Guess what? They're my new number five, later Warriors. <laughs> I mean they should have won uh, another title too. That the year they lost to the Heat where Ray Allen hit that, you know, shot in game six to force game seven. Ooh, I mean if if there. Duncan if Duncan or Kawhi Leonard hit a free throw down the stretch, oh. that series is over. Mm. Uh, it's, yeah, they they were incredible. Bill um, Bill's spot on in saying that they're the like the Patriots and Popovich is like Belichick. Um, yeah, they they were a, a model of consistency and still are. All the way to his disdain yeah, for the media. I, I, right. <laughs> you know what? They're number four on my list. Heat you down to number keep, five. Keep bumping up. All right, I have I have two more actually. One of the reasons that the 86 or the 80s era Celtics only won three championships was because of the Lakers' big three of Kareem, Magic, and James Worthy. They won three during that era as well. I'm glad you brought them up because they are actually in my honorable mention. But the problem, the reason why I did not add them is I actually. And embarrassingly enough, don't know much about Worthy. I didn't know if he was a big, you know, a really a big, you know, one of the big three. I thought it was kind of like Magic and Kareem. So he would make them worthy of being oh, a big three, absolutely. for sure. Yeah, Worthy was actually he went he went to North Carolina with Jordan, and he was actually the more well known player right. going into the draft. Right. Yeah. On the last dance, they actually mentioned that when he, Jordan hit that final shot, you know, it was because the opposing team thought maybe James Worthy would get exactly. the shot. So, you know what? Later, Miami Heat, you're <laughs> off the list, too. Good. Now I got both of the teams in the skinny jean era off of my list. I feel a lot happier now. All right. Can, Who's can your third can we that bump I forgot? One more off the list. And this is even before my time. But the, you this would be tough with the numbers. Russell Cousy and Havlicek. Six championships. Was it? See again. I didn't. Was I just kind of remember them as kind of like Bill Russell and his friends? Am I wrong? Oh no, they had some. Kuzi was. I mean, I wasn't alive, but like everything I've read, Kuzi was like a stud. He was like reinvented the the point guard position, and then Russell came along and helped him get over the top to to win championships. But Kuzi was amazing. Yeah, he was the first guy who would dribble so he... behind his back or between his legs. That stuff like that never went on before. He he was a flashy player, and Havlicek was. I actually did see Havlicek play later on in his career um, when he was the sixth man on a couple of those '70s teams that won the championship. You know, he was he was just a good, solid, all-around player. So can I really have three Celtics big threes on my <laughs> list of five? Why not? 
This is this. I think so. Above the parquet. I think all. so. <laughs> I think so. Later, Lakers, and you only get kicked off because I don't like you, Lakers. So three Celtics teams in my top five. Could you have a better list? I don't, I don't think, think so. <laughs> and do you think you could have a better crew talking about their big three lists? I 100% doubt that because you guys have been amazing. Thank you all for joining, you know, coming together in these crazy quarantine times. This, this is awesome. I had a blast. Uh, anything uh, you want to wrap it up? Maybe we won't wrap it up. We'll go to double overtime. I don't know. What do you guys want to do? One last question. If the NBA comes back to play and the Nets come back with Kyrie and Durant both healthy, and they end up winning a championship. Do we put an asterisk on that? 18 asterisks. <laughs> I hope they yeah, get but... swept. <laughs> I think Durant, well, this was early in the in the stage of things, but Durant mentioned that he wasn't going to come back, but he probably didn't see this you know, being as prolonged as it is, so... We we all know his how how strong or like mentally tough he is, so he could flip flop and change his mind. And you know if if he's healthy enough, trying to jump in and steal another title. I like how you said that snake. Well, steal or snake another title. <laughs> all right. So for Derek and for Chris and our special guest Bill, I'm Matt. If you want to check out anything the Boston Syndicate does, you can find us on Twitter, on Instagram. You can go to our website and check out any of the articles that Bill, Derek, Chris, and the other guys have put out. Uh, we're doing like like Chris said, we're trying to get content out as much as we can. We're trying to, you know, entertain you guys as you're home or just getting back to work. So you know, go ahead and follow us on all your our socials and uh, on check out our website. Uh, we usually have a Seat Geek read, but you're not buying tickets to sit on your couch, so you can do that for free. No, there's going to be – we have a uh, – I'm going to – we're dab, I'm dabbling into something different. So I'm going to have an eight-article series called The Tuna coming out, which is just strictly on the time frame that he was – Bill Parcells was the head coach of the New England Patriots. So we'll have the first – Bill, what's the first three – articles will be out next uh, week? No, actually the first one's going to be out Saturday and then every day after that. Nice. So I, I have, I think, two more I got to wrap up, and I'm in the, I'm in like the good part of it. I'm in the part where like, you have like the Parcells meltdown, and you have the Parcells and the craft wars they're having, and it's right before the groceries, the comments and stuff. So trying something different, trying to, you know, put a different uh, twist. The um, trying to do uh, just something like I said, a little bit different, and try to drive some traffic to the website and. Uh, you know, I have some other ideas in mind, but um, check that out and uh, the other stuff that Matt said that's on there. You know, I'm not trying. I'm not trying to sound like a company guy, even though I am. But I'm pretty pumped for that for that series. You know, just the big tuna. He was my grandfather was a big fan of Bill Parcells. I remember when he came to New England, so I'm excited to check that out. All right, that's Should be uh, good. that's our that's our show. Th- that's all, folks. Uh, so stay safe and uh, have a good one. See ya. Peace. Boston Sports Syndicate. Music for the Boston Sports Syndicate provided by IMCDM. <laughs>